I also find it insulting and degrading that I would need a total stranger's permission to make decisions over my over my own life. And those who act as if they are the gatekeepers of life and death and are pretending to be acting on behalf of a god are instead just torturing people and causing great pain and suffering unnecessarily which i consider to be criminal behavior and they need to be stopped as sentient beings we find ourselves thrown into a world that inflicts immense pain and suffering so having the option of a graceful exit should be seen as a basic universal human right since our existence is better to never have been we should all have the right to die welcome to the right to no longer exist a right to die podcast featuring your hosts kevin and danny in this show we attempt to change the perception of society's views of voluntary euthanasia and what true autonomy could look like Hey everybody, welcome to our 11th episode of the Right to No Longer Exist podcast, where we discuss the right to die and how it should be universal for all. And today we have a special guest, vegan, atheist, and more. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey guys, I'm really, really happy to be here with you. And thank you so much for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for coming, and I've been a fan of your channel, and I can't wait to discuss not only the right to die topics, but you know all the other all the other stuff you're into as well, because uh, that encapsulates you you as a whole. So thank you so much for um, coming. Thank you so much. Yes, I really appreciate it. Very excited to be here. So please share with us about how and when and why you decided to start your channel and all the great topics that you talk about. Um, obviously you get into veganism and atheism, but I also appreciate all the videos that you've, um, done regarding pro-choice and abortion, um, as well as the right to die. Um, and yeah, how'd you get, um, started doing all that and being interested in the topics that you're into? Yeah. So I started my channel back in uh, 2018 and I wanted to share my thoughts on the subjects of uh, veganism, religion, atheism, anti-procreation, abortion, and euthanasia, like you just mentioned, because uh, especially uh, for the Spanish community, because I couldn't find a lot of uh, YouTube channels that talked about these things. So I wanted to give like my perspective on them. And even the ones that do, I feel like they don't go far enough when it comes to most of these things. So I felt like, well, if I can add my, you know, my two cents, that's how I felt. It was the best way for me to do it. And um, so I started So about 20 years ago. Well, let me let me tell you a little bit about myself. So I am Mexican. I was raised Catholic which means that you are taught that suicide is a sin that will definitely land land you in the depths of hell. So this is obviously not a good combination when it comes to euthanasia. And I've been suicidal since I was about five years old because my life has always been pretty shitty. So when I started hearing in a church about how ending your own life is supposedly wrong, it didn't really make sense because I didn't see it as something bad. But it was still in the back of my mind, this idea that I had to be against it, even though I really wasn't, 
which doesn't really make any sense, but that's religion for you. So uh, 20, about 20 years ago, when my grandmother died, after seeing her suffer for a very long time, and my, my family finally decided to unplug her, I knew right then and there that I was in favor of euthanasia. And even though I was still a believer, I realized that it was a horrible crime to force people to suffer just because religion wants them to. And after becoming an atheist, I went back to think through my beliefs. And that's when I came to the conclusion that everyone at any age has the right to end their life in a safe and legal manner. Yeah, I mean, religion is the catalyst that keeps this pro-life BS going. I mean, it's actually the reason why a lot of states don't even have abortion rights anymore, because we have two Catholics on the bench that, you know, helped overturn Roe v. Wade, for example. Yes, absolutely. And exactly going to like what you're saying, uh, when, when the toxic, you know, going back to Hispanics, Hispanics don't like to talk about death. And the thing is that in Mexico alone, 7,900 people commit suicide every year, and we still refuse to address the subject. And to make things worse, there are people, religious people, working tirelessly to block any assisted suicide laws that activists are trying to pass. So this needs to change, and that's why I talk about this as much as I can. Because the only two Spanish-speaking countries that have legalized euthanasia are Colombia and Spain. That's it. So we're not in very good shape when it comes to that. And plus, you have to be dying, right? So <laughs> Yes. And that's, that's a shame. Yes. Yeah, and that, that only kind of shows instantly that there's the, the, the a 1% kind of situation where I'm sure there's just like the death with dignity or the maid in Canada or anything in, in, the, in the Netherlands that you have to, you have to go through so much just to get approved that so many people probably just don't even start that process and give up. Cause they're like, oh, I don't even want to deal with that whole process, you know? Exactly. So they result to some violent gruesome means and their family yes. finds them, and, you know? So that's, that's sad that the stigma of it all is just the the most damaging part i'd say is like creating a taboo out of something and forcing people to not talk about it openly is so damaging because now you just everyone turns into this weird underground criminal but they're not a criminal but they have to act like a criminal it's like you know it's a weird yes kind of system yeah, it's like you can you can uh, create life anytime you want at any age, and but yeah, you can't end it. Even though you, we were forced into this world, we can't say you know I had enough. You shouldn't have to have a diagnosable condition in the first place. Absolutely, and exactly that's what you were saying. You know, when it comes to religion, when you're talking about like taboo. Uh, Sex is taboo, abortion is taboo, euthanasia is taboo. And it's like all these things are natural things. They are uh, rights that we have. And yet religion is completely against it. They are like forcibly, like violently against it. That is like, why? Why? I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't.
and it frustrates me and it angers me and uh, it just it makes it makes this so much harder you know I would say that religion doesn't help they just get in the way and they're they're experts at getting in the way of progress of getting in the way of people's happiness of getting in the way of people's freedoms and rights yeah you can't have society without them imposing their will on people like us exactly that's the it's the ultimate insult you know against your ideology is to say like someone kills themselves but yeah i have this worldview that god gave us life and life is good and wonderful and we should be blessed to be here and all that crap <laughs> and yeah. like so if you kill yourself it's the ultimate like f you to god himself you know so people have this insanely adverse reaction to suicide and and they have they're so against it because you know in their heads you know it is the ultimate in sin it's the ultimate insult against god to be like you gave me this gift so to speak and yet I hate this gift. So, <laughs> you yes. know, but some people, so many people, I, they can't kind of jump that hurdle. I think yeah. if they jumped that hurdle, we could have a lot of progress and, and religion could even still remain. You know, it's just like, because I've had some theist friends that are fully right to die. Like, so they get it, you know, mm -hmm. they can get it, but when it comes to, you know, certain things, especially Catholicism too. I grew up Catholic as well. And we were, we were casual Catholics growing up, but man, it was like, it seemed like every other sermon or whatever it's called, you know, was always something about just don't damage this gift we've been given. And there was always some spiel about, you know, life, 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 pro-life, life is great. Life is great. Mm -hmm. So it's a, yeah. Right. I mean, and, and that's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, that, that's the thing, you know, when you're mentioning uh, Catholics and how they say, oh, how a lot of religious people or, or Christians, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm in favor of euthanasia. They might privately be in favor of euthanasia, which some of them might be. But then when it comes to voting, they'll vote against it because their preacher or their pastor told them to, because then if not, they're going to go to hell. So it's like they have this cognitive dissonance going on or this like, I don't know what to call it, that on one hand, they're like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It would be good. But yet I cannot either come out and say it and I can't support it legally because my religion tells me that I can't. That's what I'm against. It's like you're harming people. You're harming millions of people by your decisions, you know. So I'm sorry, Danny, you, you were going to say Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, um, Catholics, you know, a lot of Catholicism is about suffering and about, you know, like Mother Teresa. I mean, if you read, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, Christopher Hitchens' um, little documentary called Hell's Angel. Yes. Mother Teresa. Oh, yes. man. She was a yes. saint. Yes, absolutely. And, and you hear all these people repeating her words. You know, because she was totally against abortion and everything that she said. And it's like, and she was a horrible individual that wanted people to suffer. You know, and that is the thing that when it comes to religion, it's like they are pro-suffering. They are pro-suffering. They are pro-torture, torturing other people. It's like, if you want to suffer, you want to, because that's, that's how my grandmother was raised. I'm like, if you suffer, you offer that suffering to God uh, in, for your sins. 
you know, it's like, that's fine. If that's what you believe, go ahead. But you cannot tell other people that they have to suffer. You can't do that. There's a line there that you don't cross. Yeah. And it, they think of it as too as like um, this beautiful trial and tribulation as a test of faith, like Job in the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. like to suffer and endure it and go through it and still have your faith is some kind of a virtuous accomplishment. That's like one of the biggest problems, you know what I mean? So like yes. I'm suffering and God clearly has a purpose for this suffering, which we know is just suffering is just nothing but a big waste. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but they think there's goals that are going to become that, that will be derived from that. You know, there's some redemptive quality by this suffering that we're enduring. And it's really sad once you become an atheist to see, no, 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 all this suffering is just pure, just utter total waste. And people don't get better. They just, (laughs) they get bitter. And these, you know, if you have a chronic ailment, especially, you know, you become a jaded, bitter, you know, person, you're not better. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And how, how arrogant and delusional would you have to be to say God created you? Like if you're a parent and you say God created you when you were clearly created through sex. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, it, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. So um, what are your thoughts about the right to die movement currently? I am personally grateful that there are people fighting for this cause, but I obviously don't think it goes far enough. I believe that euthanasia is divided in three groups. Uh, We have those who oppose it completely. Then we have those who are in favor of it, but with extreme restrictions. And those who are in favor of it with pretty much no restrictions, which is our group. I consider ourselves to be in that group. I think the current right to die movement, more or less, reflects the mentality of the second group, which is the majority of people who support euthanasia. And the best way for me to describe it is by comparing it to these other three groups, which are the carnists, the ovo-lacto-pescatarian type, and the vegans. So I believe that we are like the vegan version of the right to die movement, if that makes any sense. Like we're the one that says, yes, we are in total favor, no restrictions. The other ones are like the yes, but with so many restrictions that you're like, it's <laughs> it to me, it's just like almost like nothing. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's why I that's why I kind of see it as a separate movement, because uh, we have different motives and different goals. And I think it would be easier for some of them to join our cause than it would than it would be for us to modify or change theirs. And we can join forces and support each other whenever appropriate, but it is clear we don't stand for the same things. And uh, maybe I'm wrong, so I'm willing to be corrected if that is the case, but that's that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. I like that. <laughs> that's great. Um, okay. uh, do you consider yourself a right to die activist and and what what could activists do to make a real change on this topic uh i don't consider myself an activist because i haven't been involved in the movement to the level you guys have i'm just someone who 
through my videos and social media and social media is trying to open people's minds and help them see this topic in a different light. Okay, so I came up with like this five step plan. And you guys let me know what you think. Uh, the first one is to have a clear message, which I think we do. And your videos express this beautifully and in a very eloquent manner. And I really appreciate that. And um, because we need to know what we defend and why we defend it, which I think that we do. The second thing is uh, once we have a clear goal, we need to be bold and unapologetic about what we stand for. Uh, three is we need to educate people. We need to hammer it into their heads. These crazy concepts of consent, bodily autonomy, and respecting other people's rights that unfortunately most people can't seem to grasp or accept. We also need to work on changing this absurd idea that life is always good and death is always bad because it's not. Number four, encourage the people who do support the right to die to come out of the closet and start sharing their thoughts with others so that it stops being a taboo, especially since the opposition is shouting their beliefs from the rooftops. So we need to be very engaged if we want to see any change. We cannot let them control the narrative. We need to be the ones that are controlling it, or at least be equally um, loud and proud about it, about it. And number five, I believe that the job of the activist is twofold. It's outside of Congress and inside of Congress. The outside part is where we talk to people, perhaps engage in street epistemology, make videos, distribute pamphlets, write songs, have call-in shows, give speeches, etc., in order to change minds. And the inside part is where we elect and vote for progressive candidates and hold them accountable for passing right-to-die laws because euthanasia cannot be safe if it's not legal, just like with abortion. So I think I would start with that. That is wonderful. Perfectly said. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. I think if we did all five of those, that would change so many things too. Um, and unfortunately, it's like only things that get attention are the real sensational stuff you know, like the Brittany Maynard stories or, you know, the these stories of someone that jumped from a building and lived or something and they, in fact, they're not even fighting for our right. They'll be like, I survived and I regretted it and yay, suicide prevention or whatever. And it's like, yes. oh my gosh, like we're, we're stepping backwards and this should be an advocate for us, not against us. Yes. Um, so that's a problem, but no, your, your ideas that was perfect. Those were all amazing. Thank you. Yeah, and I think it's the same like with abortion. It's like you get that same story of like, I had an abortion and I regret it and now I'm against abortion. It's like, no, because not everybody regrets it and you should be in favor of choice because you had that choice. Even though you regret it afterwards, you still had that choice and you had a safe and legal abortion and you didn't go to jail and you didn't end up dead or mutilated. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, but they, they don't see it that way. They really mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. And a lot of people that just regret that are just, they're alive to regret. If they were dead, yes. they can't regret because they can't feel the feeling <laughs> of regret. Yes. Exactly. I just think it's so hard for people to wrap their minds around not being here anymore. Mm -hmm. when, you know, that's, that's the end game anyway. It's like uh, they say, choose life. Mm 
which obviously our parents chose life for us. And mm -hmm. if we live long enough, we, we will not have any choice over our deaths. So the greatest form of control that we can have is to choose when and how we exit this world, you know, peacefully, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I think like the idea behind all of that is to me prevention. Like, why we're why the bit the big why to me is prevention, and all of these things that are like the effects of prohibition and the the the, the carnage and blood that's created from all these DIY methods of of trying to kill yourself is a crime, and no one's paying the price for it, but. The reasons why we're doing this is to prevent all of that from happening and to vouch for legislation that gives people a peaceful method to exit life. Um, there's a big hurdle of getting over the taboo like we were talking about, um, and that can be fought for as well. But um, as long as we, we know that, you know, no one should have control over our bodies. It is about the bodily autonomy and um and sorry, but you don't get to dictate like what I do with my body and when <laughs> if I'm not hurting anybody else. Absolutely. And and I think that one of the things that I see if I compare it to like veganism, I do believe that the the message is very important, that it's very clear. Because if it's not clear, if it's vague, then people don't know what to do with it or they can't really respond to it. When you tell people the definition of veganism, they totally understand what it is. So they know whether they're for it, they're against it, or they know what it takes to be a vegan and what makes you a vegan and what doesn't make you a vegan because the definition is very clear. I think that when it comes to euthanasia, perhaps the people, like I was talking about the second group, they might have a clear message, but we need to have our own clear message of this is what we want and this is why we want it. You're either on board or you're not, but the definition is very clear, the concept is clear, and this is what we stand for. So I think that that's probably one of the reasons why I think veganism has been so successful is because definitions matter. You know, saying what you want and being very specific and clear about it so that people, there's no room for like doubt and confusion, then that helps you move your message forward. So I think that that's uh, something that like you were talking about, Danny, about the letter that you wrote, it was very specific, you know, this is what we want. And this is why we support it. And this is what we believe and what we would like to see or the changes that we need to see or, you know, so I think that that is very good. And you guys are doing a great job at that. Thank you very much. Uh, that, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's very important. I mean, we are for the unconditional right to die unconditional. Yes. We don't, we shouldn't have to go have, you know, we shouldn't have to have a doctor's opinion. We shouldn't yes. have to have a diagnosable condition. You know, your desire alone should be enough. And there's no evidence whatsoever to prove that being non there's a harm in being non-existent you know you can't have regrets you can't have you know you, you know you won't experience any more suffering and i think it's very important because yeah like a lot of i mean even in switzerland they discriminate against people they they're the, the default is something has to be wrong with you 
to not desire life, but we were forced into existence through the desires of others. And if people have the right to life and to create life, then everyone must have the right to die. We can't be owned by the decisions our parents made. I like, I like also what you say about how veganism, we're kind of the vegans of the right to die because the definition of veganism is clear. People instantly get it. Oh, you're vegan. Oh, cool. Like you're, you're not, you're a vegetarian. Like you're not one of the vegetarians or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think the big, I think a problem that things are getting muddy in the world of verbiage. And so people are like, you know, voluntary euthanasia, death with dignity, you know, medical aid and dying, you know, euthanasia, like all these right to die, like that, all these things are starting to kind of, I think, get really, get people really confused. Mm -hmm. And they're like, and once you get confused, and you already don't really care that much about mm -hmm. the subject, you, know, you got to mm -hmm. kind of be passionate about the subject. Yes. They kind of check out. They're just like, yes. I don't know anymore. Whatever. Do like, it, yes. and, then, and then they kind of give a lot of power to the medical community to be like, oh, let the medical community figure it out. When we know that they don't know what they're doing <laughs> as far as like having real ethical like thoughts about what it is that we're trying to, to do because they have the Hippocratic Oath, which says do, do no harm, period. So you mm -hmm. have so many of these doctors that won't advocate for a right to die because they feel like they're harming them. And yeah. that's the complete opposite of what they're doing. They're curing their problem. That's how we see it. But, but they um, are causing harm. They are causing harm if they're if we have the right to die and they deny it. You know, it yeah, should yeah. be, you know, you, you pay for a service, right? You go to the doctor. I mean, it would be great. If you could go to the doctor and say, you know, I want to check out either they give you education and the materials on how to do it or peacefully or a doctor does it, you know, himself. And one of the big important things about this is preventing violent methods. We don't want to see anybody going out by firearms and nooses and pesticides uh, and so many other horrific ways. So these preventionists, you know, what they are, what they're doing is they're causing more people to hang themselves because they have no rational ways to escape. Mm -hmm. What, um, I guess this leads to, you know, a good next question is what, what do you think that a perfect right to die policy could look like? I think I would like to see this right treated with the seriousness and the caution it deserves with certain guidelines, but that ultimately the will of the person would be respected and accepted. Um, like I said, I explained this in the video in more detail, but I think that every person has a right to end their life at any moment, regardless of their age, social status, uh, whether they're healthy or ill, etc., because People suffer at all ages and under all circumstances. And the only person who can determine whether they've had enough is that person and nobody else. Yeah, totally. And that's that's like the biggest problem is other people are somehow feel like they have the arrogance to dictate to other people how what suffering means to them or how much what is their threshold that they've endured? And it 
should literally be the opposite. Be like, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you <laughs> what I, how much That's... is enough for me. I'm letting, exactly. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, this is, I've reached my cap, you know, I'm on yes. the cliff here. Like that needs to be respected. And so, yeah, great, great point. Absolutely. I mean, we can't be forced to continue for other people because people who want to die are living for others are living for their desires. I mean, it's definitely yes. not for us. I mean, if let's say somebody wants to end their lives and everybody's saying, keep on living, then who are you living for? Yes, exactly. It's ridiculous. And I think people need to understand that, understand why people need to really reflect on why they yes. want to live. Is it for your own selfish comforting coping skills or is it because you really care about this person's welfare yes and that's the thing if they really cared they would want what is best for that person not what is best for them personally you know it's like if you want to leave i don't care how much it hurts me i have to respect your decision you know because it's your, it's your life you're the one living it you're the one suffering so you're the only one that knows when you no longer want to continue living on this planet and that should be your choice and i should be able to respect that to me that is love the other is selfishness mm -hmm. yeah exactly you like know it's love. a hard it's a hard love it's a big pill to swallow kind of love yes. but it's 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 the most sacrificial love you know you're just yes. like oh, like accept it you're like okay it's not about me it's about them yes. <laughs> absolutely like I always uh, like to talk about this life as a relationship. You know, we were mm -hmm. forced relationship with life. Uh, we don't like it. We should have every right to break up with it. You know, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. <laughs> the way religion prevents anyone from having euthanasia. Do you think there is any? thing we can do to change the minds of these people if so how can we influence them yeah i think that most religious fanatics cannot be reached but the rest might be more persuadable so whenever appropriate we should continue having these conversations regardless of the pushback and the criticism uh, we must keep in mind that dealing with religions is dealing with bullies. And unfortunately, they're not getting much resistance because people still think that religious beliefs should be respected. No, they shouldn't. And we can't let their fragile feelings be a deterrent because they sure as hell don't give a crap about our feelings. The thing is that uh, religions know what they want and they know how to get it even if it's through violent means, emotional manipulation, and coercion. Religion is loud and proud, spreading lies and hate, and using its power to impose their will on others. So we need to stop beating around the bush and tiptoeing around religion when it comes to spreading our message of true hope, compassion, and freedom. And I think it's a good idea to start with younger people because they tend to be more open-minded. Unfortunately, euthanasia is one of those things that by the time people need it, they are already too old, frail, or sick to move this cause forward. So it's left to the family members to try to do something about it. 
but most of them are probably against it. So they won't until they themselves are in the situation that makes them change their mind. But it's already too late because <laughs> they can't change the laws either. So the cycle continues and nothing changes because most people think it's not going to happen to them or that they will always be against it or that they will never need that service and that people and that nobody else should have it either. So it's up to us while we are still healthy and able to do something to change people's minds in order to make it easier for the following generations, if not for our own. So those yeah. are my thoughts. Great. Uh, that's, that's, that's so amazing because it's true. It's like people are always going to think about, is this, a, is this a problem or an issue for just the old folks? And yes. people can people can care about it and be like, oh, man, good luck with that, you know, for the 20 year old. <laughs> but no, yes. you're right. Like the 20 year old needs to jump in and like just like all other things like religion, you know, needs to step in and be like, hey, guys, I think you're making an error here. You know, nothing personal. No offense, but there's some logical fallacies here or whatever, Um, you yes. know. You're being compassionate, and that's great for the 90-year-olds, but what about me, you know? And yes. you're, you're right. Like, it's a good point now. Just circle. It's a circle of sadness, of, <laughs> of despair, and um, that's where we hope to get yeah younger people on board, and I think they could be the best advocates for it, but um, it's hard when they're also in the process of being indoctrinated as well into their yes. own family's religion yeah that's where i think that atheism comes in <laughs> i think that when atheism goes to the jugular of all the problems like if somebody becomes an atheist when they free themselves from religion all these other things tend to like fall into place a little bit easier when it comes to other people's rights oh gay rights oh women's rights they start to see things see things differently because they know they're no longer boggled by the garbage of religion. You know what I'm saying? And I think that euthanasia is one of those uh, subjects. Yeah, and, uh, you know, atheism is, is so important too because then you just start to accept evolution and realize that there's no intelligence behind it and it's all mm -hmm. just a bunch of, you know, crap that's just being, like, perpetuated. Yeah, you see things for what they really are instead of this magical, oh, we're this wonderful species that is going to eventually go into another world and live forever and blah, blah, blah. So when you see things for what they really are, you're like, oh, we're not that great. We're just another animal. We're the worst species on the planet. We shouldn't exist, you know, and we don't have the right to be imposing our will on, on other people. They, and religion talks a lot about they love talking about free will. They love talking about free will. Oh, free will, this free will, that God gave you the free will. And you're like, okay, I want to, I want to have free will over my life. Oh, no, 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 you can't because then you're going to go to hell and I'm going to uh, prevent it at all costs. So then you're contradicting yourself again, again. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they say, well, you have a choice, but well, the God doesn't show himself, you know, so yeah. how can be choice? They're, okay it's like you put people in front of a thousand doors and if you pick the wrong one you'll go to hell <laughs> yeah. exactly or, or just it's just amazing how fast they can like be illogical you know like they'll pray and say lord let your will be done 
but please heal my son's IBS. <laughs> and it's like, wait, no, you just told God what you want. That's your will, not God's will. Like if God wants to fix your son's IBS, then they, then he's going to do it. So the, the futility of even praying, you know, <laughs> is exactly. There. And plus, if, if God knows, knows everything, he knows which infants are going to heaven and which, which infants are going to hell, right? If he knows everything. Mm-hmm. And if, if one of those hellbound babies ended up turning his life to Christ, that 12 or something that would prove god wrong right but god is <laughs> wrong you know, these simple preschool questions are what led me to be a, like an atheist in my when i was a teenager and yes it does it definitely changes your social outlook or mm-hmm. everything on life yes let go of that last string of delusion yes yeah it's just that's so powerful how like much they can't like they're just really so affected by the anything that's not pro-life and i've seen it i used to be a church worker full-time mm-hmm. i worked in the media department at a church for a long time and it was just like it was rough because it, you could you could see the indoctrination of just specifically like suicide itself or pro-lifeism itself and i'm um, and I and I just it was cringy. It was just cringy and painful, and made me you know it made it it's, it was depressing because you know you kind of think oh shit are we never gonna get through this like are we never gonna yes. never gonna get past this because it's yeah. just like some pastor will say an entire hour long sermon about how just like life is so good, it's so precious you know don't ever think about you know, getting out because God's got a plan for you and all this hopism. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> all you got, to do, all you got to do is read the Bible when it shows how violent <laughs> and anti-life the mm-hmm. God they worship really is. I mean, he flooded the world, right. And killed mm-hmm. a bunch of he, he ordered massacres of infants. You know, the only time abortion is even mentioned in the Bible is when it said that, you know, God ordered, uh, his tribe to uh, rip open the wombs of pregnant women and destroy the babies and kill the mothers. Mm-hmm. That's the closest thing to abortion that was mentioned in the, in the Bible. So we had the Bible was incredibly violent. It's death everywhere. Like he created the son who had to freaking die on the cross so we can all be saved. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, that is insane asylum shit. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like, and the Bible even gives a recipe for abortion. In Numbers 5, it says, like, if your wife, if you if you think your wife cheated on you, take her to the priest, he'll give her uh, a potion, and if she's yeah. pregnant, she'll, uh, she'll have a miscarriage. Yeah. So, so she, it's like... I forgot about that one. Yeah, me too. So, I mean, the, the connection of religion and Place pro-life places like suicide prevention are really, you know, kind of in in tandem with each other, you know. So mm-hmm. well, there's problems with both, but um, you know, suicide prevention doesn't proclaim to be a theist, you know, uh, group at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just doing their thing, but they have problems in 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 by themselves of what they cause and the harms they cause. But uh, so I'm just curious what you think the biggest problems of places like suicide prevention are 
I think that uh, some people do benefit from it, and that's good if that's what they need and what they want. But I get the impression that this service is similar to the pro-force birth clinics, where they can only help you, quote-unquote, if you want to have the child. But if you don't, then tough luck, you're on your own, and you're going to go you know, you're going to have to go get a back alley abortion and suffer because they made it illegal for you to make a safe and different choice. So I see it pretty much like in the same category of like, we can help you a little bit, but only if you're only if you're on our side. If you say, you know what? Yeah, you listen to me. I'm grateful, but I still want to die. Then we can't do anything for you. You know what I'm saying? Then you're on your own. So I don't know if that's really help. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that maybe they sh- people should have that option if it's somebody that's just like depressed or they need psychological help. They need to go on medication or talk to a psychologist if that service could offer that to people. But if that person doesn't want to live, then they should have another safe and legal choice where they can go to and say, yeah. I already went through all this. I don't want it. I, you know, I, I know what I want and I want to end my life. There should be something else. And there isn't. No, no, nobody is filling that void. It's a, it's a void. This space is full of just suffering and pain and loneliness. And, and I don't know why people don't see that. You know? I yeah, see so it as like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I see it as like a, um, I see it like a, like billing department of a phone company right like you call them and you say hey can you put me on a promotion or some of these basic things to try and lower your bill like and they're like no we can't right now sorry yeah we can't do that you know i did this this was a week ago i did it with i think my one of my websites and you're like okay well but then i want out you know what i mean like the second you say that they go oh but you really want out oh no problem, sir. <laughs> we'll transfer you to the department of, I want, I, I'm telling you I want out. I just don't, I don't want to just talk to you. And, you know, can you provide any help for me, which would be the suicide prevention line, mm-hmm, right? But mm-hmm. like the second you say, no, no, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, I want out. I need help in this specific other way. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they, they like transfer you to another department that goes, okay, th- this person is literally standing on a, on a ledge on a building or whatever it is, you know, they got the gun in their hand. And mm-hmm. so let's help them out. Like, and if we lived in a society, obviously where it was legalized or whatever, like two, two, two of these ideas and movements can be happening simultaneously, right? Like mm-hmm. prevention yes. and, yes. and, and actual help, right. To die stuff can, can coincide with each other. Yes. I mean, they can coexist, so to speak. <laughs> um, Because like, yeah, if, like getting help and someone's like, oh, I didn't know about this, like Wellbutrin or whatever that they take and all of a sudden they genuinely feel great. Cool. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong. It's not like we're against something like that, right? Like, yes. But if someone's made up their mind, they got the plans or something, but they're ugly plans. It's like, anyway, there should be social services that provide for both. That's all. Yeah, I mean, it, it should all, all be a choice. You know, you shouldn't be forced to go to therapy. You should, you know, okay, you can go to therapy or you can just take the peaceful pill. I mean, it's up to you. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, going back to abortion, I, 
there's a slogan that, I mean, everybody knows that my body, my choice, but unfortunately it's always about abortion, yes. only about abortion. It doesn't expand as a universal concept of just human rights. They say my body, my choice, or, you know, they look at bodily integrity, bodily, you know, body autonomy and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. they, they never apply to the right to die. And, and that, that is, that's a tragedy. Yes. It's like when I when I post, sometimes I put like hashtags, like my body, my choice. And then I put my life, my choice. You know, oh, it's like, nice. so mm-hmm. I, what, one is for abortion, one is for, <laughs> for euthanasia. It's like my oh, life, my choice. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, what are your thoughts on those who support the death penalty? Yeah, oppose the right to die for someone that hasn't committed a crime. Yeah, I am personally uh, in favor of the death penalty under certain circumstances, but I think it's hypocritical and contradictory to support war and the death penalty, yet be against euthanasia. So in other words, these individuals are in favor of killing people who most of them don't want to die, but they are against people who voluntarily do want to die which means that they are in favor of death only when they get to decide when they deem it appropriate or moral, even if it violates people's will and or their rights, which is absolutely absurd to me. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, like, look at George W. Bush, he was like, mm-hmm. you know, he banned like uh, federal funding for embryonic stem cell research because the, this embryo was so important. Mm-hmm. But he had no problem in invading Iraq and being a freaking war criminal. Mm-hmm. And the people who signed up for the military, the families and all that, of course, you know, they were all proud of their children because they're going to like Afghanistan or, or Iraq to kill a bunch of people like Iraq didn't do anything to us. But if they said, I want to die, it's like the family, the friends, they, they would, uh, they would have called somebody and they would have been locked up, but yeah, you can be a killer, but you can't like peacefully (laughs) of, you can be a violent killer, but you can't Mm -hmm. peacefully take your own life. And that's so hypocritical. Absolutely. Yeah. These people clutch their pearls. You know, when a 12-year-old is suffering of cancer and they're dying or they have like a horrible disease, and they're like, oh, no, no, we can't let them die because of life, because of life. But they don't have a problem killing, you know, bombing a 12-year-old in Iraq or wherever and killing those children. They don't have a problem with that. Then they forget about their pro-life stance. You know, then they're okay with war. They're okay with killing. And because it's God-sanctioned, I guess, I don't know. Well, it goes into the you know you're you you like if you're a, if you're a human in existence working and paying taxes you're funding this military complex that is killing those people <laughs> so mm-hmm. they want you to they want to force you to stay alive you know to keep on doing the wage slave thing and paying your taxes because you're funding them to do all this other shit and ugh, the whole thing is so evil exactly about procreation and i mean i mean it says in the bible thou shalt not kill but you mm-hmm. know people, <laughs> you know the religious people are the the biggest backers for warfare all around the world and 
I was thinking about procreation. It's like, um, you know, people don't see it as creating harm when each time you procreate, you're creating somebody to be murdered, whether it's by nature or some accident. That's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow or accept. Mm -hmm. They don't because they don't they don't see like I, I think I said in one of my videos, the people that give life also give death. You're not just giving the good stuff. You need to own both of them and be aware, you know, that, oh, if I bring somebody into existence, that person is also going to die. And I am responsible for that. But they yeah. do. And they'll glibly you know, respond in this, just, you know, well, that's just part of life. That's a circle of life. That's nature or whatever. They appeal to all these other things. Mm -hmm. And, and as, as if it's, they're not responsible for that. They're like, yes. why would I be responsible for something that happens to them 60 years down the road? That happened. That's going to happen 60 years. But, you know, according to cause and effect, like ultimately mm -hmm. you are the root cause of this, of that effect, you know, whether there's been, all kinds of roads and domino effects and all these things for 60 years. You know what I mean? Like at the source of the problem, your creation is, has created all of that, you know? I mean, pro-life, pro-procreation is pro-death because yes. non-existent cannot die. I mean, these are something that just 99% of humanity just don't seem to get. And it, yes. it's, it's very disheartening. It's very, Oh man, it's like how do we get through to these people? And yes, well, I think a lot of it's this perception of the right to like of suicide. This, this word suicide has so much freaking baggage. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's it's ugly. It's messy. It's heartbreaking. The family's traumatized. The EMT workers are traumatized. All this shit that could be prevented, you know, is an ugly word. You know, but then there's like this right to die thing, and people kind of sort of can step out of that baggage and start to think of it you know, in more of a philosophical term, sort of, like, some can. <laughs> so, you know, what what do you think the difference is between the two? Is is there a difference between the term suicide and the term right to die to you? I, I think the next question we have. <laughs> um, I don't, I mean, I don't know if there is, like, the term suicide or the right to die. I think that suicide is just the name we've given to the right to die when it's done illegally. Yeah. But I don't know what you guys think. What are your thoughts on that? Well, society seems to think that divides people in three groups. If, if you're, if you want to die because you, you know, you're, you, you lost a girlfriend at 20 mm -hmm. or you, you have depression, you're suicidal and need help. Mm -hmm. You're suffering from a chronic condition that's a gray area. If you're terminal, well, uh, you deserve the right to die. When all of these people can be called suicidal because they all, I mean, if you're a 90 year old dying from cancer, you want the same thing as an 18 year old who just doesn't like existence. Mm -hmm. That desire is to no longer exist. So we shouldn't be splitting hairs and, and discriminating against people because of their condition or lack thereof a condition. It just 
should be. Yeah. I prefer non-existence. Mm -hmm. The preference to no longer exist is perfectly rational and nobody can come up with any arguments to say that it's wrong. They just, they don't use philosophy. They just use their, their, their feelings. That's what drives them. And that that's dangerous. I mean, that's preventing anyone from, gracefully exiting is evil and the most dangerous kind of evil is when you don't know that you're on the side of evil yes damn it's so dis- it's discriminating yeah to, to to like say you you get this and you don't get this and somehow when you if you're 90 and you get once the second the day you get cancer you know your cancer diagnosis where the prognosis is three weeks or something now all of a sudden there's grace and mercy and compassion and 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 all of a sudden you have sound of mind to make a a rational decision to want to exit life only when you've been diagnosed with cancer how Mm -hmm. but you can't do that at any other time in your life make rational decisions to say like oh but like if i didn't endure this that is a good thing you know (laughs) the non-existence of a bad is a good yeah exactly and you know, people always use this, these terms. It gets better, you know, choose life. It's like, okay, it's going to get better until when, when mm-hmm. I get my cancer diagnosis. I mean, if you look at all the leading causes of death, they're all horrible. So saying, you know, um, um, you have to live is basically saying, yeah, it's better to die of cancer years down the road than to just get it over with before yeah. you have to walk into a, a doctor's office and say yeah you got you got six months to live yeah and i I think that going back to this thing of like um oh it'll it'll get better you know or thinking going back to the feelings of people most people are ruled by their feelings not by their intellect so when you get like a normal like a run-of-the-mill christian because most people here are christian and they're like, oh, I'm against uh, abortion. I'm against euthanasia because it makes me feel bad. So I rather live my life pretending that it doesn't exist than deal with the reality and the messiness of it and the pain of it and say, how are we going to solve this issue? How are we going to deal with this uh, problem that we have? You know, if you want to call it a problem or the situation that we have. It's like you put aside your feelings. Your feelings are irrelevant. This is about what does a person need and how are we going to help them? Because that is what civilized people do. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, if they don't have, if people, you know, we need to focus on, you know, sound methods instead of like all these subjective things like soundness of mind. Like, yeah, if you want to die, you're automatically uh, deemed unsound of mind which is yeah prove it prove it but the sound you know the the irrational you know people use irrational methods because rational methods are not available so mm-hmm. that causes you know a mother might walk in and see their son dangling from a ceiling fan mm-hmm. and have to look at that because mm-hmm. uh, they can't get nimbethal but in the preventionist world um somebody purchasing nimbethal is just as as sad as if you know they lit themselves on fire mm-hmm. yeah. exactly 
Well, um, one of your right to die videos that you made was was really amazing. I really liked it, and um, you had a great idea where if euthanasia were legal, there could be a system where that person goes to a hospital and makes an appointment um, to and makes arrangements to get euthanized. But then at the same time, they're physically at the hospital and they can donate their bodies to the hospital, you know, directly right there, um, preventing contaminations or um, by various things um, using their DIY methods or just the rotting aspects of of a body and a corpse. Um, Yeah. Did you mind explaining a little more about this, the the idea that I thought was really cool in one of your videos? Yeah. So I consider myself to be a practical person and I personally don't have an emotional attachment to my body or my corpse eventually. And I also believe in recycling. So this idea popped into my head of wouldn't it be great if we had a system where people who no longer want to live could go to the hospital and make an appointment to donate their organs in order to help those people who do want to live? Because you have over 20 million people attempting suicide every year, and you have thousands of people on waiting lists for body parts or organs that would save their lives. So this would be a win-win situation for everybody. There is nothing that would give me more joy than to know that whenever I decided to leave this earth, I would not only be able to do so legally and safely, but I will also, I would also give a part of myself to my fellow humans and in and through my death continue to be of service to them. That's what I would like. That is great. And, you know, you could actually do it by putting someone under general anesthesia. If you're mm-hmm. under anesthesia, yeah, you won't feel, you know, your organs being taken out. So you can do it that way because, you know, if you, if somebody, if, yeah, I guess to, in order to have your organs donatable, you have to, you know, pretty much flatline in the hospital. So mm-hmm. what better way than to just put them under anesthesia, take their organs out and yeah, give them to people who want to live. Exactly. And it's like somebody might need a heart. Somebody might need a, a kidney or, you know, a hand, so many different things that they could use, like recycle your body. So they would get all these people ready to operate. And when I'm, you know, when you're there, they would just remove those parts and put them in the other, in the other person. Like, I just see it as like, why wouldn't people want that? Like, I'm trying to help those people that do want to live. Why are you stopping me from doing that? Why are you stopping yeah. me from doing an act of charity and of compassion and love for the people that do want to live here? I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to die. Screw you. And good luck on that waiting list. And maybe you're not going to have one death, but two. Isn't that horrible? Isn't that worse than saying, oh, we only have one death of this person, but she saved a life instead of having two people die? because of people's stupidity and ignorance exactly um and two p and plus you know people on the waiting list you know most of them don't have the right to die anyway i mean it's crazy yes yeah it's funny how that idea is kind of pro-life you know what i mean like you're you're continuating life 
which is another conversation we could have, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. about as far as promoralism and all that stuff. But it is totally like still helping someone that wants to live. So obviously religion and suicide prevention types, you know, I would think would be in support of that. So maybe we could use that as a tool, as a sales pitch to be like, Hey, here's, <laughs> yes. here, here's a benefit for the right to die. Check this out. Yes. We're going to get all, we're going to get all these people fixed up. It's going to be awesome. You know, they might yes. drink that Kool-Aid. <laughs> so yeah. The, you know, re- you know, um, Religious people always talk about sacrificing for others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus sacrificed himself for us, which didn't. Yes. We <laughs> could actually do something. Sacrifice my body so countless people can live by just harvesting my organs consensually. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, and the way that I see it is that, you know, when people, when religion does this of like opposing the right to die. They're not only torturing the person that does, that does want to leave this earth, but they're also torturing the people that are, that want to continue living, but can't because there's nobody there to donate organs for them so that they continue. I can't imagine. I've never thought about it until like right now that you mentioned it. I cannot imagine the pain, the suffering, the agony of somebody that is ill, that is in desperate need of an organ. And that they're saying, I need to continue living because I want to or because I have small children that need me. And I'm going to die in six months because nobody was able to donate an organ for me that I need. I cannot imagine that torture, that that feeling that breaks my heart. And we can solve that so easily. And yet religion is saying, no, we don't want that. We want both of you to suffer. And you, it's like you're getting two people. It's a win-win, truly. Like you said, like really two people are getting what they want. Yes. How is that a negative thing? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's uh, like any other way. It's like, yeah, the the person has to live and suffer and the, the other person who needs the organs, you know, die in, in while suffering. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, That's great. Yeah, I love your idea. That's an awesome idea. Thank you. Okay. Um, so how does your veganism, atheism, pro-choice, and antinatalism coincide with your right to diabetes? I think that these five things go hand in hand without a question, and that one logically leads to the others if you are being congruent with your beliefs. These are ethical stances and conclusions that are based on reason, empathy, and the respect of other people's rights. It's that simple for me. For example, I cannot say that animals have the right to their own lives and their own bodies, and at the same time be against humans deciding over their own lives and women having control over their own bodies. That would be contradictory and inconsistent. So I think that these five things go hand in hand. Wonderful response. Uh, yeah, the key is consistency. Yes. What would you like to say to right to die groups that believe adults must have a terminal illness or go through assessments before they can, before this right can be delivered? I would say that this is not a choice for you to make. Uh, People need to understand that the right to die is 
one, first of all, is not up for debate. And we need to, once and for all, destroy this arrogant and retrograde idea that one group of people get to control the bodies and lives of everybody else. I also find it insulting and degrading that I would need a total stranger's permission to make decisions over my over my own life. And those who act as if they are the gatekeepers of life and death and are pretending to be acting on behalf of a God are instead just torturing people and causing great pain and suffering unnecessarily, which I consider to be criminal behavior and they need to be stopped. I always say that it's equally immoral to take a life that I don't have the right to take as it is to try to save a life, quote unquote, that I don't have the right to save. Like when it comes to abortion and euthanasia. And few things I find more despicable than forcing people to continue living against their will just because of someone else's idiotic beliefs. If you don't agree with euthanasia, then don't get euthanized. It's very (laughs) fucking simple. (laughs) Yep, that sums it up, really. Do you have anything to add, Danny? Sorry, I choked. <laughs> oh, I was thinking that that's a perfect response. I I have nothing else to add. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, that was just awesome. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great. Sometimes you know you just say everything's so good, it's just like, oh, what are we gonna say to add to that? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so um the next one is um so the, the big controversial age limit question. You know, so if 13 year olds, you know, you know, are allowed to, you know, get pregnant and have a kid, you know, begs the question, should there even be an age limit or if one can receive a graceful exit? Do you have any thoughts about the whole age debate? Yeah, I don't think there should be an age limit. Uh, Any person at any point of his life should be able to end it for whatever reasons he sees fit. And depending on the situation and age, the waiting period would be a little different perhaps, but the right must be available to everyone. And anyone bringing a child into this world would be very aware that the child would have the right to leave whenever they desired. So those that's my thought on that. Love it. Great. Yeah, it's uh, seems to be something people get hung up on, you know, it's almost like they accept all other ages, you know, let's say 18 and up, they Mm -hmm. they, they can they can buy into that. I've had friends I talk to about it. I get the 18 and up thing. I you know, I guess fine. That's cool. But under 18. Nope, no way. No, you know, they get really stern about being like, nope, nope, no kids, no children, because it's such a, you know, I can understand how it's taboo talk, but like at the same time, like there can be rational discussions about each predicament. I think every situation is obviously, you know, conditional, conditional based on whatever, and you kind of make some decisions, but it's hard to have euthanasia legalized when the parent is the one that ultimately makes the decisions because we know that the parent is always going to side for life, you know? Mm-hmm. 
they they really can't handle like euthanizing their kid like they the idea of that is just oh my god you know yeah and I understand that pain but it doesn't mean that he's just like we've talked about you know that keeping you from your heartbreak doesn't that mean that it's okay for you to continue, you know, force this person to continue suffering. Um, exactly. There's yeah. a uh, there's a doctor in Colombia. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's the one that performs the euthanasias in Colombia, and he's done it for children that are very very ill and stuff. And he's gotten so much backlash from the Catholic Church and most people because how could you, you know, how can you be killing, you know, children? And he's like, I'm, I'm doing it from a place of compassion because these children are suffering, you know, greatly. And it's like to end their suffering. It's not, they don't see it as ending their suffering. They see it as ending their life. And because they think that life is good, then you're ending something good. No, you're mm -hmm. not. You're ending the suffering. Yeah, exactly. You know, that reminds me of a story in Brazil where this Catholic family the father raped the nine-year-old. This happened in 2011. A, the stepfather raped an, the, his nine-year-old and impregnated her with twins. Mm -hmm. And because the mother took her to get an abortion, they were both excommunicated from the, the church, but the rapist was not. Oh, my God. Oh, of course he wasn't. Of yeah. course he wasn't. Yeah, because they have their their priorities straight. You know, as we know, the Catholic <laughs> Church <laughs> has oh, their gosh. priorities straight. Oh man, not yeah, not even close. I mean, how far, how backwards can you get? You know, yeah. it's just like it seems like the more I live, the more backwards like policies and ideas become, and I'm just like, wait, are we supposed to advance? Yes. <laughs> Not good. We're not going backwards. Back. Yes, yeah, we're going backwards. It, it really gives me a feeling of hopelessness, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> it really does. I, I say that I think humans are devolving. I think we've reached our peak a while back and now we're just going down. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, you know, they tend to believe that progress goes in a straight line, and that's mm -hmm. part of the optimism bias. Mm -hmm. You know, it's history. There's been a little. It's it's history has always been like two steps forward, three steps back. You yes, know, exactly. We don't get it right, you know, and we don't learn from from history. We really don't. We make the same mistakes over and over. We were like, we've been here. I, like I always see this as when we're talking about progress or human rights, you always get this like strong opposition, and it's like, no, no, no. It's like we've already been here like do you people not learn that eventually we're gonna pass through this and you're gonna be mocked and ridiculed and seen as like totally ignorant people for trying to stop the progress like do, do you not learn you know do you not know that that's what happens to people happened to people like 200 years ago when they were against you know women voting or whatever you know that now we're past that but unfortunately, they don't see it. And they want to take this back because now they want to take away birth control and even the right to vote for women and gay rights. And they are hell bent on taking us back to the Old Testament. Yeah. And a lot of this is, 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 is like this worship of traditionalism, you know, like yes. um, thinking that 
something old is better, you know, yes. you know the, this old 6,000 year old tree root, you know, just can heal everything or, <clears throat> or, you know, like this is our tradition to, to, you know, marry nine-year-olds. Like, you, you know, <laughs> they have no say. It's just the way it is. A nine-year-old girl gets, has to marry the village next door guys, guy, what like just weird shit. And then, yes everyone's like well that's the tradition that's the way it's always been <laughs> like clearly i guess that's a good thing you know why don't old... we oh sorry yeah no that old equals good no it doesn't yeah, yeah. i know why don't, why don't we go back to using flint tools to <laughs> chop our carrots instead of knives yeah because exactly. that was the old way <laughs> yeah exactly i know that's all retarded <laughs> Well, go back. Or, we could, or we could go back and say, hey, we all died at 30 back then. So, you know, that's that would be good. <laughs> exactly. But they probably died horrific deaths. I'm just joking. But oh, yeah. I mean, clearly, like the, it, 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 you know, the way that we've extended life with medicine, I'm not saying medicine's bad or anything, but it has caused people to prolong their ailments for decades longer than they should have, you know. Yeah. and because they're constantly just getting morphine or you know and it's like that's bad too yes and, and it's like when you want to die or something it's like god has a plan don't play god doctors can't be playing god mm -hmm. uh, helping someone be euthanized okay if you don't want to play god god um mm -hmm. don't go to the doctor when you're sick exactly you know, don't, don't procreate yes yeah, uh, that's the consistency. Yes, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, but they don't see it. No, they're like, oh yeah, this is I like this part, so I'll just say that. Oh, God created medicine so that we could live longer. You know what I'm saying? It's like they don't see it as you're going against God's will because you're ill, and you should just follow whatever you know nature is giving you. And they're like, oh no, 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 no. And with this, he's okay with it. You know, but yeah. he's just against euthanasia. But he's okay with medicine. Yeah, yeah like, like a lot of like a lot of religious nuts argue that God provided us with the tools to make medicine. Well, it took mm -hmm. us millions of years to figure out penicillin. I exactly. Mean, could have at least gave us a, like a little hint or something. Exactly. Exactly, but no. Okay, what what are the positives and negatives of having to exit life on your own terms? Well, I personally don't see any negatives. I hear a lot of people saying, well, uh, your friends and family would be sad. Yeah, they're going to be sad whether my death is accidental or deliberate. So what? That's not an argument. I just think uh, they would be less devastated and traumatized if they saw me die peacefully and painlessly than if they saw me hanging from the freaking ceiling. Like, don't you think? That's that's what I think. And people need to understand that when they say no to something, they are saying yes to something else. In this case, when you say no to death with dignity, you are potentially saying yes to the perpetuation of loneliness, sadness, depression, anxiety, drug abuse, crime, tragedy, pain, suffering, undignified deaths, etc., etc. That is not something I would say yes to. That is not something that I support. And the individuals 
who oppose death with dignity need to own this. They need to take responsibility for their actions and we need to rub it in their face until they get the freaking message. Those are my thoughts. Damn right. Yes. <laughs> because they are, their actions have consequences and they think that, oh no, I'm, I'm pro-life. My actions are all good. There's no negative consequences. Yes, there are. There are very much negative consequences. You're causing pain and suffering. And you need to own that and say, yes, this is what I am doing. And maybe give an argument of why you're doing it. Or say, you know what? I don't have the right to do that to somebody else. That is not my place. Exactly. So we need to hold them responsible for that, I believe. It is a criminal act to force anyone to remain. It's a total, I mean, it's up there. With murder, absolutely rape. Absolutely, it's a torture. You're torturing somebody. Exactly. And then when they die, some horrific death. Everyone just, you know, the the ambulance, you know, they take the body and just drive away, and everyone just acts like you know a squirrel got ran over, like mm -hmm. whatever, you know. And it's like, wait, wait, no, there should be cops here investigating or i mean it's not a crime visually so i don't mean it that way but there's a crime that's been committed in theory by prevention so the effects um you know of the cause of prevention is right there before us and i don't know it just has always bothered me that you just that no one just looks around and goes wait wait someone did this like not just this person did this but <laughs> by us not allowing someone a graceful death this is the kind of crime that someone has to do this is the kind of like violence someone has to commit upon themselves like and no one's paying the price for that crime it's just that's the part that really pisses yes. me off and gets where i get passionate like we were talking about yes. earlier but. And a lot of people you see, most people, you know, when they see, you know, when they walk in like a family member or something, when they walk in on a corpse who, mm -hmm. who hung themselves or shot themselves, they, they turn into prevention zombies doing mm -hmm. these prevention marches and stuff like that. I'm like, okay, I know you're in pain, but are you also stupid? Because preventing <laughs> Nimbital, yes. preventing all these rational methods lead directly to that person dangling from a ceiling fan yes you know so. but they'll they'll go still double down though and even just start to like accuse and investigate their friends their family or, or like some obscure friend they have or whatever and start to blame them and be like did you did you you know incentivize them to do this or did you whatever that word is uh, you know what i mean like mm -hmm. did you like you know, did you encourage this? You know, yeah. like, and they so so they're constantly trying to find some c criminal, yeah. and the system is the criminal, not a yeah. not some person that just says I support you and love you, do what you want, yeah. I love you. That's not yeah. a criminal. <laughs> they're In looking fact, for somebody to blame. You know, it's like some some of them don't want to get the responsibility of like whether it's the parent uh, of saying. Oh, well, we brought them into this world, this shitty world to begin with. We are responsible for that. It's like, no, let's, who do we blame? You know, let's blame all oh, the drugs. You know, he was doing drugs and it's the drug dealers or it's the depression. Maybe these people need medication. 
So it's like, instead of going to the root of the problem, they try to solve it with these other things that are not solving the problem. They're not solving the problem. And it's like, and I truly believe that if people were open, if, if suicide came out of the closet, there would be more people being helped, like truly helped, because you would be open to talk about your feelings freely without afraid of being judged or being sent to the psych ward or, you know, having the cops call on you or your people just your your family just abusing you even more of like, why are you having these thoughts? The, that's crazy. You need to go to see a psychologist. If we really talked about this as if something that is normal and natural, because it is, we needed to learn to talk about death with uh, without all this baggage that is unnecessary and it is uh, useless and it is harmful of saying, hey, you know what? I'm not feeling very good. I think I don't want to continue living. Oh, really? Why do you think like this? Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to discuss it? Do you do you need help? Do you want to go see a psychologist? And let that person, you know, follow their own path wherever it leads. If it leads yeah. to them being helped and continue living, good. If it leads to them being saying, you know what? No, I want to end it. I really want to. I thought this through and I don't want to continue living and have people respect that. But that to me is a way, it's another way of disrespecting people's rights of saying, no, uh, you're you're wrong. I'm right, and you have to do what I tell you to do. And if not, that means that you know you should be punished. And if you die a horrible death, well, that's what happens when people don't follow the rules, and they don't really care. A lot of people don't really care. You know, it's like when a, when a woman says, "Oh, well, they died having a, a back alley abortion." Oh, well, you know, it doesn't yeah. hurt me because she she deserved that. She deserved that. Yeah, yeah and. You know, it's also it, it's just as much of a, a free speech issue, too. You can't we don't even have the freedom of speech to say, nope. you know, I want to die without running the risk of being locked up in some psych ward. Yes. So, you know, yeah. the, the fan, you know, if you want to die, your family, your friends, your partner, they will all turn against on against. Mm -hmm. you. And these are the people who are supposed to care the most. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No prevention is a cult prevention is a cult they use these yeah. meaningless platitudes like you matter with <laughs> if you mattered they would respect you know exactly well if it wasn't so taboo and they didn't create such a taboo that that you can talk to these people and say and, and let them know specifically like hey there's nothing more that you could have done to change my idea about life and this plan that i have there's nothing more that you could have done and i want you to know that mm -hmm. we can't mm -hmm. talk to our loved ones like that we can't we're not allowed to so mm -hmm. now the loved ones are left for years and year decades mm -hmm. just wondering like could i have what what could have i have done differently is there anything i could have done to prevent this and why 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 if it was all legalized and the taboo was gone they could all say it. Hey, guys. Hey, you. Like, you know, whatever. You know, each person, they could just, hey, there's nothing you could have done to change my mind. Like, that's a real powerful closure to the people that are remaining after mm -hmm. a person dies. You know, you, you avoid and eliminate all of this what if, what if, what if, what, what could I have done, what could I have done crap. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Yeah, it's really cruel how the people, you know, all over the world, people who want to die are just persecuted, mm -hmm. silenced. And the opposition, they don't even want to have 
a conversation, a philosophical conversation about life. Mm-hmm. Preventionists just refuse. They shut it down. They say, yeah. oh, you're sick. You need help. It's like, well, screw you. Well, what if I say, well, uh, you're sick because you want to, I mean, you want to live. You want to mm-hmm. live when you're born to be slaughtered anyway. Nature's mm-hmm. one. And yet you're, you're having children to yes. be destroyed in the future. Uh, you know, why do you want to have children? You know, why are you eating meat or why are you doing all this? You know, why are you praying to God? Why are you using the rosary? You know, all these uh, things are considered normal in society when we consider it backwards. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um. So should there be cases where non-voluntarily euthanasia should be permitted for example, an elderly person with an end-stage dementia, a baby born with a condition that will not allow their brains to develop past toddler, past a toddler intelligence, or like a four-year-old or got in a car crash. Should there be cases where, um, you know, we impose that, you know, because we're all against imposition. So we have to be logically, you know, kind of like... Um, sound too so Mm -hmm. should we impose a euthanasia on us on someone that can't consent whether it's you know any of these conditions that are someone that is unable to um you know consent you know what i'm saying sorry Mm -hmm. it's weird i got i got the thing to add um you know we put our animals down right Mm -hmm. they are unaware of their own mortality so if people with end-stage dementia or, or, or a three-year-old with severe burn vic- who are severe burn victims who are going to suffer for the rest of their life, they are also unaware of their own mortality. So it's like because they're unaware, it's like, yeah, I mean, is it the right thing to do to put them out of their misery just like we would any kind of pets or something? Yeah. Yeah, I, I the answer to your question is yes, if- that's what I think. I believe that up until uh, children can speak for themselves, their parents or caregivers should have the right to make decisions for those children and choose to end their life. If the child is extremely deformed and unable to function at all, or they are in a vegetative, vegetative state, or if the pain and suffering of the child is unbearable and cannot be managed with medication or treatments. Under these extreme cases that do happen every day, I think the compassionate option is to euthanize them. And in the cases of people with dementia or similar illnesses, I think that the idea that ideally everyone should put in writing what they want so that if they're ever in that situation, their family already knows what to do. But if the person did not express their will, then we would either need the government to step in and take care of these people so that they're not a burden on the family. Or if there's no assistance for them, then they should have the right to use an to euthanize the person that is ill 
after the situation has been properly assessed by whatever institution is in charge of this. So it, it would actually, I think these are more tricky because they're not like your run of the mill euthanasia of like people that are, you know, adults that they know what they're doing. And these are very, very um, more critical. But my answer is yes, under certain circumstances, after like being, you know, revision, you know, revised and stuff, they should have the option. So people need to have the option because if you have a person that is like, let's say I'm, I am very, very ill myself and my mother has Alzheimer's and she's dying and I can't take care of her and I'm about to lose my house and end up in the street and I don't have enough money to pay my own medication and the government's not going to take care of my mother or myself. I can't be expected to be a sick person taking care of another sick person. You know, if they're not, if the government is not going to step in and take that burden off of these people, if they want them to continue living, okay, then you take care of these people that are ill. If not, if it's like an extreme case, then I think the family should be, uh, should have the right to end the life of the, the person that is ill. But the best thing would be if the person before they got sick would say, if I get very ill, if I'm unconscious, and if I'm in a coma, please disconnect me. I don't want to continue living. That would be the ideal. But obviously, you're always going to have these other cases that don't fit in, you know, in the regular cases. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Yeah, what do you guys great. think? Right. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> oh. Sorry to be short, but that's, I agree totally. Yeah, that's that's, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes yeah. you know answers can be so good. You just don't need a anything else to add from us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> um, what do you hope for for the uh, world? You know, from having conversations like this and in your interview, and like, you know, what changes would you like to see, and or advice you'd like to give our listeners. I think that not wanting to talk about death is irresponsible and it helps no one. I wish people would start talking, taking this more serious. And I'd like to see this topic uh, be normalized instead of demonized. I would say that just because something makes you feel uncomfortable, that doesn't mean it's wrong. That just because you personally are against assisted suicide, it doesn't mean you will always be against it or that you have the right to deny that to others. And if we have enough compassion, like Danny was saying, to put, to put down our pets when they are suffering, why would we have zero or less compassion when it comes to our fellow humans when they are suffering? It doesn't make any sense. So those are my thoughts on that. I'll just say, you know, thank you very much for being our guest. Uh, you did wonderful. We have been wanting you on here for months. We you know, great to finally get to talk to you. We're a huge fan. So if anyone wants to go to her channel, it's vegan, atheist and more on YouTube. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been uh, the joy and honor to hang out with you. You're awesome. I love you. Been a fan since the beginning. 
please everyone check your stuff out it's it's really 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 good stuff um and it's been gen a genuine joy to hang out with you and to meet you and to talk with you all this time um so thank you so much oh no it was the honor is mine you guys i i love you guys i always watch your your videos and i'm so grateful for you i'm and i'm so grateful that we're able to have these conversations and I hope that they're that they are of benefit to somebody, you know, that it can reach out and touch somebody's heart so that they can maybe start seeing things differently or um, move in a different direction so that maybe eventually we can live in a world where everybody that doesn't want to continue living, they can they can leave. And I always say that all roads lead to antinatalism. Because if you don't bring someone into existence, then you don't have to worry about their deaths. Antinatalism is a solution to all the problems. But once a person is already here, then the next best thing is having the right to a peaceful exit. So I thank you very much for having me on the show. I hope it's not the last time. I hope we do this again some other time. And thank you so much for everything that you do. Oh, great. Absolutely. Me too. I appreciate everything. And I hope we hang out again sometime for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been a has been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for everything that you're contributing, <laughs> not only to, you know, to this channel, but to the website, you know, or to your uh, uh, YouTube page and everything else. You're thank you thank you so much so important. i will I, I will put all the links in the uh show notes and description of wherever you're at i'll put it all everywhere that um she um is and please follow and check her out and um yeah and i have like i said a spanish channel um it's called vegana te Mas with this pretty much the same content that i have in my english uh, channel and i have twitter and facebook where I talk about all these subjects. So, and though Twitter awesome. and Facebook are mixed, I mix the Spanish and the English. I don't have a separate one for each. Only when it comes to the YouTube channel, then I have an English one and a Spanish one. So that way, if you know somebody in Spanish, you can share the videos in, in Spanish. That's great because I we often get comments that are in Spanish, and you know we have to. Sometimes there's this translation yes. button we can click, and it's great. And but some other times though, it's depending on the platform you're, you don't know what's being said and you know so that's awesome that you're yes. providing that for the spanish community definitely yes. thank you <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us guys it's been an honor here with victoria and um we will see you next time on the right to longer exist podcast have a good day or night see ya see y'all bye, bye. <laughs> thank you you have been listening to the Right to No Longer Exist, a Right to Die podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed your time and found the information valuable. Please visit us at therighttonolongerexist.com to learn more about our organization and mission statement. You can also follow us on our social media platforms at the Right to No Longer Exist. There you will find links to our individual channels as well. If you would like to contact us, please email the right to no longer exist at gmail.com. 
Thank you for your time, and let's remember that during the time that it took to listen to this podcast, dozens, if not hundreds of people endured a horrific death by suicide. Let's fight together for a world where this doesn't happen anymore. See you next time on the Right to No Longer Exist podcast.